If we can't talk to each other, we're not gonna make it. Sometimes I feel like I, I've bitten off more than I can chew. Most of the time, I work in a glass jar and lead a very uneventful life. A face full of glass hurts like hell when you're in it. That's weird. That glass looks half full to me. Eating glass. Eating glass and staring into the abyss. Glass? Who gives a shit about glass? Who the fuck is this? It's kind of part of our culture to eat glass. Hey, get some safety goggles next time. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody and welcome to Chewing Glass, the show where we talk to developers building in the Solana ecosystem. Today I'm joined by Carlos, member of Super Team Germany, um, a recent placer in the Hyperdrive hackathon with his finance product Juicer. Um, he also placed in previous hackathons as well. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, let's get this started. How's it going, Carlos? Hey, Jace. Awesome to be here. Big fan of the show. Yeah, thank you. To be honest, like we were like looking for uh for another guest because we had a cancellation, and I, I reached out to uh to Maddie Taylor, who you know, who um ha- is a big part of our um, global hackathons, and I was like, hey, um, wh- who's um pretty good at speaking and, and not super awkward? Uh, that's also a developer, and he was like, um, I think Carlos could be good. Uh, not nothing against the, the other participants, uh, but um. But but he did recommend that I speak with you, um, and like I've I've seen you around for quite a while. We've never actually officially met. We've engaged on Twitter a little bit, but um, so great to have you on the show. Would love to uh, to kick things off by just sort of talking about sort of the story of Carlos, um, and let's start from the beginning. Like you're building on Solana now, but like where did that where did that trajectory all begin? Like were you um, did you study CS in school? Um, are you self-taught? Like how'd you get started in software? Yeah. So that's kind of like a really interesting story. I, I did not study anything technical in school. I basically did it. I, I stopped on going on to university until I realized that I wanted to do filmmaking and photography. And so I went to school eventually to do documentary photography and photojournalism. And that sort of like took me all over the place. Um, and I basically landed in Berlin, uh, where I kind of like tried to uh, figure out sort of like how the working situation would be with German. I'm not German. I don't speak German. Where are you from? Too short to learn German. I'm Colombian. Colombian. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and so uh, here in Germany, I I basically ended up working a lot in like corporate stuff, uh, and then eventually. Uh, took a job in a market in the marketing department of a of a wine company, like an online wine company when the when the pandemic hit. And uh, there's only like five ways that you can take pictures of wine bottles, to be <laughs> honest. Um, and so I I kind of like really fell out of love with the the form and and sort of like. But not fell uh, out. You decided. didn't fall out of love with wine though. No, no, uh, that only grew. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I, I kind of like burnt out. And, um, and so I was like, I was thinking of different things to do. The pandemic was in full swing. So I knew that I wouldn't be able to get a new job as a photographer. Um, and so I, I basically started to like, okay, let me try to make my, my, my work life a little bit better, easier. 
And so I got really into like Notion and like all these little no code tools like Zapier and stuff. Um, and, and eventually like one of my jobs was like to take all the information of a wine and then put it in this, like this, this nicely presented card with the picture of the wine that I just took. Right. Um, but it would take me a long time every week to do this like menial task. And so it was driving me crazy. And I, I basically, I, I figured out that I could basically, um, hack something together using Google scripts and like some YouTube videos of like how to sort of like, uh, put the image automatically from a database, like from Google sheets into the, this format that I need to be, and then export it to uh PDF. Um, and, uh, and that was the first time that I ever touched any code. I had no coding abilities before that. And no math abilities before that for all that matter. And, um, and it was quite like mind blowing to me that something so simple of like following 90% of a tutorial and like a bunch of Googling could save me hours every week. Right. And, and I got hooked. I got absolutely hooked. And that turned into me quitting my job. And then um, taking a job at a coffee shop so I could have enough time to teach myself how to code at home in my uh, off time. Oh. That's basically kind of what got me started to learn how to code. We just had Fluxbeam on here recently um, and same same sort of like, obviously not the exact same story, but just totally self-taught. You, Some crazy reason we... We see a lot of self-taught engineers becoming highly successful in Web3. Um, and this is really like sort of cool stuff to hear. Also, by the way, like Mike, I was a CS major um, in college, but um, I, after about six or seven years, like I was working some soul-sucking like software jobs, quit for two years to become a professional photographer um, because I loved it no so way. much. And then... I lost my passion for it because I had to turn it into money. Um, and then I went back to software. So anyways, just a well, little yeah. small Um, so I still do it. I still do it, um, on, um, whenever I'm traveling or any sort of like sort of stuff like that, but like turning photography to money to me sort of ruined the whole experience. So I leave that for my own like devices at this point. But yeah, anyways, to me actually, yeah. But anyways, let's let's jump back to it. All right, so you're working at a coffee shop. You're teaching yourself to code. Um, how long did that last? And then, like, where'd you go from there? Yeah, it. Uh, so the first year was a lot of Udemy and like um, uh, YouTube. You know, I I kind of like I I did a, a week worth of a boot camp and then kind of decided that like they were moving too slow because like you could learn all of it on YouTube. And I I think like. It came down to like, if you're motivated enough, you can do it on your own. Um, and um, so I, I worked at a couple coffee shops for a bit. Um, I was working only part-time. So I really had like 40 hours a week so I could just like do it. Um, and it took me maybe better part of a year before I even started to do like little projects and, and start uh, thinking about working with it before that it was 
very unclear how long it would take me. Um, and yeah, right around there is kind of like where I, I found crypto. Oh, so you, so there is no story of you taking web two jobs in between like your introduction to crypto. Oh, so, no, no. so, so wine to, to some other random stuff to coffee shop and then like learn how to code and then jump straight into crypto. Okay. So what, like, was there a before Solana or was it like, like in your crypto experience, like, were you like, were you trading crypto? Were you doing like, were you aware of it? Like any sort of that stuff before, like, before we start into the, uh, Solana journey? Um, not really. I mean, I, I kind of knew, uh, about Bitcoin basically, like I've always been very techy. I've, I've always been interested in tech in general. And so I, I heard about Bitcoin, but um i think that was like back when i was in high school or something and and then eventually um while i was working the wine uh job um somebody there uh was day trading crypto and i was like what like <laughs> this is not only for like criminals <laughs> like i had all these crazy prejudices um okay elizabeth and- warren Exactly. And that was the first time that I saw a regular person using crypto, right? Not that I know many criminals that use crypto either, but um, it, yeah, it was quite shocking to me. And then the girlfriend of a friend of mine, uh, one day, uh, we kind of like picked her up at some place and we went on a walk all together. And she was telling me that she was working at a Web3 company. And I was like, whoa, what's that? And she's like, yeah, it has to do with the blockchain. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. I thought you were an artist, you know? And then, like, she starts telling me about sort of, like, how, like, um, you know, NFTs and all this stuff. And I was like, whoa, like, there's this whole aspect to this that I had absolutely no idea about. And that kind of took me down the rabbit hole of, like, you know, the Bitcoin white paper and then Ethereum. Um, and then, like, I remember I, there was this, um, like, you know, I was a photographer and I was working at a coffee shop. So I was broke. Right. Yeah. I was a starving artist for most of my life. And um, when I found Ethereum, I was super excited to try a bunch of things out. And I remember there was like a, the sale, the first sale of a fractionalized crypto punk. And I was like super stoked, like, oh, my God, I'm going to be a part of history. Let me buy a share. Right. And so I spent like 40 of my 100 bucks that I had on, on this share of this, this fractionalized share of this crypto punk. And then we like the the sort of like party kind of won the the auction, and then I was like, "Yeah, this is super cool. Let me claim it." And then to claim it, it cost like three times as much as the share that I bought, and so I never ended up claiming it. And then I was like, "Wait, wait, something's kind of broken here. The system doesn't really work as." as I was promised, basically. And I kind of put it to a side a little bit until eventually I found Solana. And then, you know, the rest is history, basically. Okay. So now let's start talking about who who red-pilled you. Um, did you red-pill yourself on Solana? Did somebody, like, find you? Did you come to a hacker house? Like, how, how did that whole thing get started? Yeah, I was, I was trying to learn a lot about DeFi um, I was really interested. So like I'm Colombian living in Europe. Uh, I don't have a European passport. So being an immigrant uh, from a country like Colombia makes it really difficult to do very simple things. And so 
I always connected with the idea of being able to take care of my finances without some central authority telling me what I could or couldn't do. And so um, I was looking for alternatives to Ethereum and uh, saw on Twitter some IDO of a token. And I was like, oh, okay, this seems like it's a different network. Let me let me check it out. And then I bought the token and it did 100x in like two days. <laughs> and it just so happened to be that that token was on Solana. And so immediately I had a budget to like play around with everything in Solana. And then I basically never went back. Okay. So what was the, um, I, I know you've uh, done a lot of experiments and built a lot of things, but when you say playing around on Solana, like what were you actually, did you start, was it just trading around a little bit or did you start building? Did you do your photography stuff first? Like how did that, uh, how'd that go? Yeah. Like it's, it's funny because I, at that point I had, I still was not convinced that crypto was a serious industry. <laughs> like it was half like people selling rocks on the internet <laughs> and then the other half people getting scammed out of their life savings. Or at least that's how it felt. Right? I mean, it's, 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 I mean, it's partially true and still true today in many aspects. Yeah, it's, it's sadly, right? Um, and so I, I decided that I wanted to get experience at a Web2 company. Um, and so that's kind of what I was working towards when I was coding. Um, I, I never really considered like working in, in crypto. And then, so a buddy of mine, uh, we were working at the coffee shop together and I kind of got him interested in coding. I was like, dude, you have to learn how to code. This is super cool. He was studying mechanical engineering. Um, and, um, and we were working our shifts in the coffee shop and talking about JPEGs because we were buying stuff on Solana. I kind of red pilled him. Um, and then one day out of the blue, he's like, oh yeah, so I've been teaching myself Python and I bit. Uh, I built this little um, Discord notification bot for this NFT community that I got rugged in. And we're like, we're restarting this project. And I built this little tool for them in Python. And I was like, mind blown. I was like, whoa, like, dude, three months ago, you had no idea what code was. And now you're building things in on the blockchain. And I was like, I was really stoked. And um, and And so he told me basically... Uh, yeah. And then they told me that I should make it into a product, but I have no idea what I'm doing. And so I was like, wait, 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 like, let me join. Let me help. Let me. Yeah, let's do this as a thing. Right. Um, and, uh, and so we productize it. And uh, like it took us maybe, I don't know, four or five days. And up to this point, I had I hadn't done anything really serious. With when was coding. this? Like, a, when was this, though? Um, it's like time. So like this would have been. Um, 2020, uh, around December, 2021. Oh, okay. So that was, that was quite a while ago. And, uh, by then I had been, uh, coding for about a year. Uh, I still barely knew anything, but I, I was going through, you know, the JavaScripts. I started with front end because I tried to learn C, but like for somebody who had never seen any code or math in their life, like. C is like really tough. And so I went back and learned like HTML and CSS and then got into JavaScript, uh, React, and then backend and stuff. Um, and, uh, and so we built a little front end for like people to like purchase these, these bots. We called it Moon Bots. Um, and then, so that was December. And then like the first days of January, we started DMing people on Discord like, hey, like we built this, uh, this Discord bot to keep track of your NFT sales. 
a little bit like what Matrika was doing. And back then, like, I think I remember Grape also did a hackathon. They won a hackathon with a tool like that. But they had this huge backlog of, of teams that wanted to integrate. And, and so there was this uh, gap in the market that we saw and we just started DMing all the projects that had just launched the day before, basically. And they were all trying to get like, you know, the first bits of utility per se. And so that's kind of like where we pounce. And then we'd be like, yeah, it costs like 300 bucks for a year, you know, and we would be deploying all this in like free MongoDB instances, free Heroku instances, like it costs us nothing. And we were just doing this for fun. And then they were like, oh yeah, sure. Here's the USDC, run it for me for a year. And we we're like, holy shit, we made money on the inter internet. And that was kind of like the tipping point. And I was like, wow, like actually there's a lot of different things that we could do here. Um, and having somebody to go through the journey with me was kind of like pivotal. And we kind of started scaling that up into uh, baking bots for a, different, uh, a bunch of different teams. And then eventually, I don't know if you remember DJ CoinFlip. It's one of these yep. like gambling uh, projects. Um, as, as, so said, built a, as said in the name, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and they, uh, they had this thing on their website where they would display like how many um, flips in a row somebody had won, like these streaks. So I made a, t a Twitter bot that would tweet out uh, whenever somebody had a streak of two, or, two flips or more in a row. And then progressively it would... Uh, put like different gifts and messages onto the tweet. You were basically reading data on chain and then have that connected up to the Twitter API to push that out. And yeah, yeah, cool. Exactly. And so the entirety of my first sort of like uh, uh, first few projects was like just reading data and then displaying it somewhere else, right? Um, and that got us uh, some marketing from them. And then like, they really liked the bot. We started working with them. We freelanced with a bunch of different NFT teams and it started becoming a bit more of an agency, um, of my friend and I building things for different teams. Um, and then I, and then it was, um, I think it was, uh, summer camp. The, um, there was, they did like a bit, like, a. They rented out a space here in Berlin to do a yeah, co-working yeah. space for summer camp. And that was the, the very first event of crypto that I came to. And that really kind of changed everything. Yeah. I mean, like the, uh, the Germany sort of, uh, build stations have sort of become like during our hackathons, it's become really obvious to us that these are some of the most impactful sort of things that we can do. It's like you have a hackathon, but then you have this sort of like collaborative space where there's workshops being done everybody's building their own project but they're helping each other along the way um and like the results have proven to be like when you look at like our our hackathon data when that summer camp hackathon was happening in germany did that build station you saw like the the quality of projects the number of projects in general just sort of like increase because of that and like now the UK has done it. Um, it happened in Singapore um, at Metacamp as well. So these are really impactful events. Like a lot of people find their way through like Breakpoint or like hacker houses because those are the sort of like the big, like exciting ones. But it's cool to hear that you sort of came into like, like to a really sort of like 
developer focused, I feel like event. And I, I'm, I'm assuming Max from Mango was probably there. Um, and uh, who, who who else do you remember from that from that first uh, build station? So it was all the, the whole Ultimate team, Ultimate Wallet. Shout out to them. They're um, they're like it's it's so great to have all these really incredible teams here in in Berlin. There was the um, Big Brain had uh, a bit of a, a presence, um, and there was Mango. There was the Neodam guys that are here, um, and so. That was like such a pivotal moment uh, because that was when I convinced myself that actually like, yeah, I can have a career in Web3 and there's products to be built that aren't scams (laughs) or like funny pictures on the internet, right? Do you think it was, Um, do you think a lot of that came from just being surrounded by other people and you're like, that were also super serious about Web3 and you like finally saw that there was a group of like serious people that had a history of software that were trying to build real businesses. Does you think that's like had a lot to do with like that? Yeah, hundred percent. I I could finally like I had somebody that I could look up to basically that I wanted to be them in like two three years, right? Um, and the other thing was that they were so approachable and so helpful. Um, and this is something that I don't know if it really exists in in every other industry, but. That's kind of like what my experience in, in Web3 has been. Uh, and that really made it that I had the energy and the resources to to get so much done. You know, like that that built that initial build station, there was I wasn't participating in the hackathon. I was just hanging out. But cool. um but there was a bounty to add something to realms, to add some sort of like um uh, um integration with Solana name service. Um and back then I was just learning TypeScript and I remember like looking at like the realms, the governance UI repo, and it's like, it's a behemoth of a repo. And it's like, shout out to like Sebastian Bohr, like he really helped me a lot. And, and Daniel Keller from uh, Sunrise Stake, like uh, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing, but it was a bit of a goal. You know, if I wasn't going to participate in the hackathon, then, then let me see if I can do this. And by the end of it, like I won the bounty, I, I, my code got merged onto like a Solana Labs repo. And I was like, oh my God, like, like this is really a stepping stone. Right. Um, and yeah, like these events in person are just like, um, huge for, for the young developers, I think. Yeah. I mean, like these are the, these are the sorts of stories that I love to hear because like after seeing it in Germany. Like I, you sort of made a comment about um, like having somebody to look up to. Like I think like as these new super teams um, we're seeing spin up around the world that are pretty fresh. Um, like one thing that Germany had going for it was like some established teams already. But like I think as you start to see um, these newer super teams, they see some success. They get that one or two like teams that become successful. Now everybody else and that comes into their orbit will probably have the same experience that you did. And then like everybody's in different le- levels of like, and it depends on regions. It depends on a lot of things. But what you're, what I'm hearing from you is that like you had some established teams that like you were like, oh, wow, these guys are doing it. That's really cool to hear. So you did the build station. You won the bounty um, for Realms. So after that, like, like usually there's about a six month gap between hackathons. What, what, what was Carlos up to in that time frame? Yeah. So I was encouraged basically by the bounty, um, that 
um, I could uh, contribute more to the governance UI uh, repo. Um, and so I got a grant from the Solana Foundation to, to do some features for it. Um, and once again, that was pivotal for me, like to get paid for software by like what felt like this huge entity. And like, I really felt like I was contributing um, to something really cool, like governance. And so I got super involved with that. Um, and um, I basically started thinking about what, um, what should I do to go to a breakpoint? Like, if I go to breakpoint, like, who am I? What am I pitching, et cetera? Like, I wanted to take on something a little bit more serious than like doing some agency work for NFT collections. Um, and I mean it kind of like, I wanted to get deeper into the stack, I guess. Yep. Um, and, um, and so that's kind of like where the idea for Trigger came about. So um, a lot of our customers of the NFT collections, they always had these these requests that it was like, can you take something from here and then do something else with it? Like, and it was always like, take something from the chain and do something else, post it on Twitter, post it on Telegram, post it on Discord. Um, and so I was like, okay, like what would, uh, if this and that looked like for, um, for Solana? And uh, so we did some mockups, put up a little, uh, a little landing page and then we went to breakpoint me and and my buddy that i would been doing this from since the coffee shop right shout out to orion who just got hired by squad so he's another success story um but um yeah so we took that to breakpoint we uh, breakpoint was incredible like once again it was like really cool to see how um how accomplished and how serious a lot of these teams were and like they're building real infrastructure. And so a lot of the loudness of, uh, of Twitter kind of like didn't come through at Breakpoint. And like, I met a ton of developers. This is the first, we're talking about Breakpoint 2021, right? The very first Breakpoint? Uh, that uh, no summer camp oh, yeah. was 2022. So Breakpoint 2022. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I actually had my times uh my my days confused uh yours anyways <laughs> so yeah so yeah, yeah breakpoint it, even though like contrary to popular belief you see these events and a lot of the pictures that come out of them end up looking like people like having really good time like if you actually spend the time there like you realize that it's just like mostly a bunch of nerds just hanging out and talking about building on solana uh, obviously there's there's other profiles of people there like especially more recently like lots of artists lots of people that are interested in the space from an investment standpoint but if you go anywhere near the developers area it's just a bunch of nerds talking about solana exactly and like that's these are the environments that i always wanted to be in from when i started this journey also like you know like I, i'm self-taught so i was looking for a bit of validation right um, but it was it was really encouraging to to see what people were working on, and once again, I had like a vision of like the type of per, uh, developer that I could become, right? Um, and like it really broadened uh, like our our vision of like what a protocol developer, or Web three developer is. Um, and so we we came back from Breakpoint like super excited. Um, and then, um, and then I took a bit of a vacation. Um, and then when I came back in January, I was like, okay, like 
my grant from the foundation is over. Like I just merged my last feature. Uh, what am I going to do now? Um, okay, let me let me try to see if I can build this trigger thing. Um, and I kind of got into like um, analysis paralysis. Like there's so many features of building a protocol, and like I'd never really approached something that big. For the audience, can we talk about like what 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 trigger trigger is? And this is and and by the way, Carl, you you placed in the in the Grizzly Thon Hackathon with Trigger, right? Yeah, yeah, right after that, exactly. So uh, the idea for Trigger was um, if this and that. So there's there's like different no-code tools like Zapier or, or if this and that in, in Web2 that people use. Uh, it, people who don't know how to code, they use uh, in order to connect things, different APIs, right? But in a visual editor. Um, and so I wanted to bring that experience um, into the average person, right? Um, because development times are super expensive in Web3, like, um, and, and because, like, maybe there are some security situations of, like, you have to get code audited and stuff for it to be safe. And so, like, what if, like, people could do things in a visual editor? Um, and so with that premise in mind, uh, I kind of got really overwhelmed. And then I was like, okay, like there's this sandstorm hackathon happening right now. What if I built the absolute smallest iteration of this? And so we built, we literally built just an API to connect Helios webhooks to Zapier. And then in Zapier, we built a little app that allowed people to create uh, different triggers. And so it meant that through this tool that we called Intersect, um, people could connect, they, they could do a transaction on Solana and that could trigger something happening on Zapier. Right. To put the transaction into a Google Sheet or to send the message. And we did, we did a few demos for that for Sandstorm. And we won, um, we won a couple of prizes uh, for the automation track and for the bonk track. Um, and then I was like, wow, like I'd never done a hackathon in my life before that. I had no idea what a hackathon was basically. <laughs> and all of a sudden we won a hackathon. Uh, and so that was super exciting. And that was all the validation I needed to, to, to be like, okay, l let's try for the Grizzly thon. Um, and so for the Grizzly thon, at this point, I had no idea about anything about rust, right? So I, uh, there was the, the build station here in Berlin. So I went there every day, first person in, last person out, just learning how to, how to write Rust, what Anchor was. At this point, all I'd done was read data from the chain, right? So I was kind of like familiar with reading from RPCs, but that was it. And all of a sudden, we were trying to build a protocol. Um, and so, you know, I, I read a bunch of code from like squads, for example, is great, like, uh, a lot of inspiration I took from squads, from the marinade program, and like through sheer will and you know my teammates uh, throughout the Grizzlython, we put together this this demo that allowed you to set basically a limit order in this visual editor. But it was all it was like Lego bricks, right? And that's what it was really powerful that you could imagine that you could scale this up and then every protocol could be a little Lego brick and then anybody could build their own transaction without the need to really know how to code or how they're supposed to go together. Um, so we won, um, we won fourth place for that. And there was a demo day here in Berlin that we won also some prizes. Um, 
And and then it was kind of just like, uh, okay, let's build this out for real. Like, you know, the entire code had to be refactored and, yeah, and of course. all the all the hard coded things from the hackathon had to be <laughs> unhard coded. Yeah. Uh, as it goes. Um and for the next almost six months, like um it was basically just me and a designer. And I kind of hacked at it, you know, and I took it as like, okay, even if I fail, like I will have learned how to program on Solana by the end of it, right? Um, and I, I learned a ton. Uh, we were trying to do some like weird things, like, you know, like Clockwork existed back then. Uh, Clockwork is super cool as a sort of like decentralized crank, but we wanted a little something a little bit more modular and more accessible in terms of uh, being able to crank it from like some random Web two infrastructure, not necessarily a validator, um, and then also if we wanted to extend um, the types of triggers, uh, we would have had to like PR something into Clockwork. And so I decided that maybe there's a design that allows us to upgrade the program without upgrading the program. So we came up with like these like middlewares, um, and so we can extend the functionality of the program to have to CPI and to other programs and stuff. And so we played around with a bunch of different things in that design space and uh, talked to a bunch of teams that wanted to use these sort of things uh, for their own kind of like development purposes or like cranking, you know, stop losses inside of their protocols. Um, but, you know, in the depth of the bear market and stuff, like I think, it, you know, I was I was thinking about it from from two perspectives. From the engineering side of things, it's a super cool tool to exist. But then, from a practical business perspective, it's the unit economics of like of a of an API like this or a program like this. I just it didn't really make sense in my head. Right. Even if we were like marking something up from the base transaction cost on Solana, like we would have been making like. A few thousand lamp ports per transaction, and then like we, we would have had to scale up so much to get any any sizable amount of revenue. Yeah, you learned a lot though. I mean, like you taught yourself how to build on Solana, so like I mean, like that's the, there's so much value in in that in itself. Yeah, hundred percent. And and so um, that sort of like taking is uh, I basically like built up the entirety of the front end decided that we were going to be uh, monetizing the front end somehow. So we, we tested out uh, Trigger. We, we released it to a few folks and decided that the no-code application was getting a little bit too complex and that it required a, much, a lot more scale than we ever imagined. Um, and so took a step back and Hyperdrive Hackathon came about. And I decided, like, let me experiment. Let's build an entire new app on the same program but instead of built for automation, what if we built it for only composability or prioritizing composability? And that's what Juicer was. And so I always had the idea of like, Trigger as a DeFi first application would be super cool. And then, but it had all these extra things that didn't really make it work any easier. <laughs> and so by simplifying it into Juicer and making it only about DeFi, and less about automation and more about composability in a no-code way, um, that was a huge unlock. So with that said, like, like enter Juicer. Um, let's, let's sort of give like a, for, for the audience and all the listeners, sort of like a high-level overview, like you just sort of as a recap from, from all this. You built some sort of 
no code automated stuff that did a bunch of triggers that, that made building on Solana easier for yourself and also other people um, were actually sort of unable to like see the full long-term vision of that. Just like, and this is a useful exercise for anybody building on Solana is like, you might reach a point in your sort of Solana career where you're like, you build a thing that you had a lot of faith in, you reach a rope, you reach a point where you say, this is not sustainable. We're never going to be able to turn this into a business. You turn trigger into a tool for yourself to build your next thing, which is like a really cool exactly. story. So Interjuicer, which is? Yeah, Juicer is the, the front end of DeFi, basically. So we're trying to make discoverability, uh, like we're trying to solve discoverability, uh, the, the complexity of DeFi, and, and we're trying to unify it all into a single app, like in reality, what we're trying to solve is the problem that when somebody asks you, like, what should I do in DeFi? You have to t give them a huge list of, of like, oh, you need to check out this app, but you need to also know, like, what their utilization is in their pool. And then, like, oh, yeah, and this, you can get better yield in this other app, but you should use it for these things. And we're trying to solve all of that and simplify the use, the all of DeFi into a single application. And so the idea is that you'll be able to manage your portfolio, but also connect all these different apps together so that um, the things that you were before doing in three, four, five different protocols, you can do in the same place. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, it's an incredible sort of like, this is the first I'm hearing about your sort of like story arc um, onto Solana through everything. Um, and like, and now landing here with, with juicer, um, and also placing in, the, the hyperdrive hackathon with that. So, um, I guess you guys juicer is, is now like live for the public. Yeah. So recently we we started releasing juicer, um, and, and yeah, so it, of course it comes in steps, but what I learned from trigger was basically you got to launch as fast as possible. <laughs> And then iterate from there from real feedback, you know. Ship fast, uh, break things. Exactly. Um, and and so we're we're taking a bit of a, an approach of like aggregating a bunch of data from different protocols and linking out to those protocols. And then slowly you'll be able to start doing those things inside of Juicer. Um, and then afterwards, we'll be able to supercharge your experience with these things called recipes where we're bringing back all these Lego bricks things between the different protocols and um and building it into this new application what's sort of like the end game for you for like juicer like like what like what's the end game impact um sort of idea for it best case scenario in you know two to three years juicer becomes like the the place for DeFi on solana you know and not even only on solana you know the idea is that uh if you think DeFi, you have a place to go where you understand what's happening and that you can interact with protocols across the entirety of the ecosystem or multiple ecosystems in a single place. Um, you know, everybody has their own marketing departments. And so sometimes as a user, it's hard to, to know like, oh, what, how, do, how does this protocol call this thing? And how does that protocol call this thing? Or how do they do their math? So by unifying it, we're blowing the barrier to entry to all of DeFi uh, to hopefully be able to uh, bring a bunch of new users into DeFi and then have them feel safe and and 
have them understand what's happening without them having to like read a, a real book or like spend thousands of hours on crypto Twitter to understand what's <laughs> going on. Yeah, exactly. I think that's like like the the user the user experience, and not just because the products aren't use, user friendly is just the, it, it's really challenging for new people to come in here. Um, I mean, like number one, the perception of of crypto in general, and then number two, like some of these products are very scary for a lot of people. Part of it, although, is because um, a lot of people weren't even taught traditional finance. So how you expect them to come in here and like, like I actually learned most of my financial knowledge from DeFi because my, like, we're not really taught too much like financial stuff. And at least in the West, we're not like I had very little knowledge of how a lot of these financial markets work until like until DeFi. So um, it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are exactly like that. Like uh, a lot of people know, you know, the earn button in their bank uh, bank app, and they know how to click it, and they know how to maybe invest into a couple of things in, in the same app. And like DeFi can do all these things, just like we've chosen not to yet. Um, and so the idea is to maybe bridge that gap somehow. Awesome. Well, congratulations on on placing and uh, and and two hackathons, and obviously the most recent one. Um, and so again, incredible story arc. Um, and hopefully like we're, we continue to see Carlos in the future and, and juicer. Um, so, so to move on to sort of the next segment of the show, I'm going to ask you a couple questions and I want you to sort of like answer these, like as concise as possible, like for, and, and they're pretty poignant questions. So like, what's like, and you're, you'll be, I've had everything from core engineers and all over the spectrum. So answers vary sort of like widely. What was your, uh, or what sucks about building on Solana? For me, like vague errors <laughs> are the pain of my existence. Few, I've heard this a few times. There's also just a lack of documentation, or there was at least for a long time. Oh yeah, when I was learning how to how to do all these things. Twenty twenty one, you were pretty it, much screwed unless you knew how to read um, source code and tests. Yeah, and like or like search on Discord, right? Um, and it's really, really, really painful for a new developer, especially if they're new at a new developer. If you're already an engineer, maybe it's a different story, right? But for me, it was really, really painful that. Uh, when you're working on the edge, there's no documentation, there's no example code. You basically have to get really good at re reading open source code. And back then also, there wasn't a ton of it. Like now there's so much more, like the Solana program examples is an incredible repo. Um, yeah, but yeah, vague errors is is the bane of my existence. Yeah, we we have we have there's multiple flavors of Solana courses. There's like there's eight week boot camps like globally. Like there's so much more than than whenever you were there um or learning through your experience. But honestly like I, I tell this to some people like um as much as it was painful in the beginning, it, it was sort of like this this moat for really incredible engineering talent because that's who it it didn't attract a bunch of what 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 uh old heads like to call script kiddies people who could just go and like copy and paste some snippets so the base foundation of solana engineers were either already gigabrain or somebody like you who just like was super dedicated to like getting on the other side and figuring all that stuff out so it really started solana like 
the Solana ecosystem out with a really strong core base of engineers. And then those engineers continue to help other people, as I'm sure that you've mentored people like along the way as well. So, um, so yeah, it's, um, I mean, like all, all this stuff, like we hear, we have recurring themes around here, dependency, hell errors. Um, there, there's always a, there's always a, oh my God, dependency, <laughs> hell, don't get me started. Okay. Oh uh, gosh. Um, so, so outside of that, like what, what would you say, like, like what is like, aside from the, the standard sort of like it's fast, it's cheap or whatever stuff, like what, what else would you say is like, what's good about building on Solana? Like what, like what, what makes you excited about it? It, it could be anything. It doesn't have to be specifically technical. Yeah. To be honest, I didn't choose Solana. Solana kind of chose me. So I don't know what it's like in other ecosystems, but what made the difference for me was super team. Like the fact that I had a community around me, supporting me, um, giving me the resources that I needed, um, providing me any introduction I ever needed. Um, that was pivotal in my, in my journey. And it's something that I always want to share with other people. It's like, first of all, just get involved in the community, create your own local community, because uh, it's in these physical spaces where you are really able to um, advance at a much, much faster degree than you would on your own. Yeah, I, I mean, like this, like Akshay, who like helped sort of like coin the term and also uh, along with a, a couple others, um, we started whenever they started Super Team India, the very first one, he was talking to me about communities and like bottoms up and like talking a bunch of like I was just like an engineer doing DevRel. I was like, what the hell is this guy even talking about? And then, and I've told this story before, and I don't know if I told it on this show, is that Jacob Creech, like who's head of DevRel now, came up with the Solana cookbook. We were like, we need code snippets. We need like something to like, so that people weren't in Discord and being told to go look at the tests if they want to know how to send a transaction on Solana. So I told Akshay about it. He He was like, this is exactly the perfect example of how we can leverage these communities. So he just like deployed Super Team India onto the Solana cookbook and had 80% of all the stuff that we wanted filled out in about two weeks. And then I was like, holy shit, this is like the power of communities. And like, so now, of course, over time, as the new Super Teams are getting spun up and watching the build stations and watching those collaborations, you start to realize a pattern of like, this is how you build bottoms up communities. Um, and it's just like networks of support across networks of support. I mean, like, and nobody really says it out loud, but like super teams very much like a network state. Um, and like it has its own GDP and, and like it's, it's been incredible to watch. So I'm glad you had that experience and I'm glad that you feel that way about, uh, uh, about super teams because I think this is like an important, like, thing that's happening right now so and I'm excited to see what's coming next in 2024 with with super teams um so yeah me too so to wrap it all up um you kind of gave a really good one there but like i'm gonna like about like it's what's the what advice would you give to a new developer coming on solana um like whether they're new or they're just getting started like what sort of advice would you give them to like help ach to achieve success you just gave one good example about like in real life, joining a community, being part of this and like, but like, 
if you had to give another piece of advice to to somebody brand new um, or just getting started, what would you say? Yeah, don't be afraid afraid to ask. Like it's crazy how approachable everybody is in the ecosystem. Um, I read a lot of uh, open source code actually. Like get get good at that because like that's what's really gonna set you apart. Um, and um, and what else? I mean, it it's all kind of path dependent, but. Um, yeah, I mean, just get involved, honestly, because like at the end of the day, it's still hard. Don't get me wrong. And it's a lot easier than it used to be. But um, you need a community around you to help you push through those barriers when it gets really, really tough. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what we have a lot of on Solana. Yeah, I think like a lot of times there's there's definitely certain profiles of people, especially younger people that are afraid to ask questions or there's certain people that are afraid to like ask dumb questions. Like, I love asking dumb questions because if you don't ask them, then you'll never know the answers to them. Like, um, so it really is just like ask questions, go out there and just like be active and, and be, um, don't be afraid to engage with people. There's, there's a hundred, there's a, there's a thousand more Carloses out there that are going to help you if you need the help. Um, so, uh, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on the show, man. Like it was a pleasure to have you. It was awesome to hear the, uh, the journey of, of you getting started and knowing that you never even had a web two software job in your life, um, and worked at a coffee shop while you were learning to build. Um, and then even on top of that, congratulations on, um, your recent victory in the, um, hyperdrive hackathon. So with that said, man, again, thanks for joining. Um, and See you around. Thanks so much. I right. really enjoyed it. Cheers.